I'm Barbara Bray. Welcome to my Rethinking Learning podcast, where I have conversations with inspirational educators, thought leaders, and change agents. Well, I have to tell you, I got this wonderful book, and I know, Trevor, I've been wanting to talk to you for so long, Trevor. I'm so glad we can finally, finally do this. Uh, Absolutely. Super excited to be here. First, let me tell them who you are, because I just started saying your name. It's Trevor Bryan, (laughs) and I'm going to kind of boast about you. Is that all right? Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Boast away. Make my mom proud. Make make my mom proud. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor Bryan is a K-5 art teacher in a New Jersey elementary school, and they have two core beliefs about the arts. I'm going to mention those, but you know I love, I, I we're going to talk about the arts because I think they're so important. Uh, me too. <laughs> I know. It is so cool. That's why I'm so glad you're here. So I'm just going to say what those two core beliefs are. Sure. The first is that the arts foster joy and connection, especially when times or topics are tough. And they are now. And yep. I just, I'm so glad you bring up joy and connection. That's wonderful. And the second is that the arts help us to make meaning of our human experience. Mm-hmm. We have to connect, right? We just absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Trevor, you're just amazing. Okay, I'm not done yet. I got to say this: <laughs> Trevor is a teacher, but he's also author of the greatest book. I have it in my hands right now. It's called "The Art of Comprehension." I'm going to read the whole thing, exploring visual text to foster comprehension, conversation, and confidence. Oh, touches my heart. Oh, thank you. Mm. And the other way, I the way I met you is your co-founder of the Four O'clock Faculty with Rich Sizz, who I've also interviewed and who I just love. The two yep. of you together are just a team. And um, the other thing, you're both of you are always looking to improve learning for yourselves and for students and and teachers, other educators. Yeah. I just want to welcome you. And Thank you. I just, uh, you know, you're just amazing. When I saw your book come out, I said, this is the one I've been looking for. This is it. This is the yep. one. And I'll tell Hopefully. you why a little later when we get back into okay. it. But I always like everyone to tell about their family and you oh. and where you grew up and a little bit about Okay. That. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in um, New Jersey. I grew up in a, a town called Glen Rock, New Jersey, which was a small town uh, up north. My parents have always had a, a summer house in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, right by Asbury Park, uh, the city that uh, Bruce Springsteen helped make famous. And my wife and my two children, we live uh, very close to Asbury Park now, um, close to Ocean Grove, um, which is a, a nationally historic town. And uh, we love living down at the beach, and we love the art scene down there. It has a great music scene. Uh, we have great restaurants, um, and we just enjoy being up at the beach in the summer, being on the boardwalk, and, uh, you know, doing beach stuff. So I actually know Ocean Grove. Okay. I, I grew up in Maryland, and we used to okay. kind of go, and it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it has, um, it's a Victorian town, so it has, I think it's, it's, it's about one square mile, but I think it has even more Victorian homes than Cape May, which usually gets the attention. Wow. Well, why don't we put a picture <clears throat> of it up? Show <laughs> sure. it off a little bit. Yeah. Maybe we'll get yeah. some people to kind of get some more tourists. How old are your, stu- your children? Uh, my daughter's uh, just about 12, uh, Johanna, and my son is going to be seven in a couple months, uh, Owen. Owen? And Owen. he's seven. Yep. Does your daughter help? With, uh, yeah, she's a good big sister. 
So, that must have been pretty exciting because yeah. they're five years apart. That's Yeah, they're five years apart. Yeah, yeah so, that's really uh, cool. I love it. My daughter's older. Except my, okay. my son tells me that she was a little bit of a bully. Oops, I shouldn't uh, have said that. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> now we're going to have to do a report. <laughs> no, Sarah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. She was great. They, they, love, yep. they really love each other. And that's the one thing that you know is that you want your kids to really like each other. It's their history. Yeah. They live together. And so um, I, I'm glad that you told me about Ocean Grove because it brings back memories. Yep. It's so neat. Yeah. So you went to school in... Um, Glen Rock. Glen Rock. Uh, yeah, what Rock, was it like when you went to school? Uh, for uh, It was great, um, for the most part. Um, I wasn't always the best student. Uh, I think of your personalized learning. Um, <laughs> I was really good at doing my own stuff and uh, not so good at doing tasks that I didn't find too meaningful. But uh, my teachers were great. I had a really rich um, writing experience in sixth grade that ties a lot into my work right now. And then my art experience, my art education experience was really rich. So um, there's a lot of flaws that I kind of look back now in it uh, that I draw off of a lot for my, the work that I'm doing. But I really had uh, super art teachers. I had a mm. lot of support. Uh, and I just, because we were, we were 20 minutes outside of New York City, I had um, a lot of opportunities to see shows, um, oh. both on Broadway and um, at, at museums. Um, so it was good. You know, I had a, had a really interesting childhood experience in education. So you love art. Were mm-hmm. you just constantly doodling? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I drew, but I also just made stuff. So I just... You know, I would make things all the time. So always in my basement, I had access to all the tools, uh, oh. made tr- tree houses, forts, um, all kinds of stuff. And then one of the one of the things that has influenced me the most, especially as an art educator, is that m- one of my childhood friends who moved to town in third grade is a really well-known street artist. Um, and he so he has made his career as an artist. And we were pretty much best friends between third and sixth grade. And we just made stuff constantly and explored things. And so seeing how he was as a child and how he um, grew up to become uh, a really successful, uh, you know, artist has really influenced how I approach our education and how I think about creating. Do you want to say his name and do you want to share any uh, of his uh, art? Yeah. His street name is Momo. Momo. Um, yeah, I think I so, heard. Who, who actually he grew up in uh, his he grew up in California uh, before he was in uh, to move to New Jersey. Oh, he brought so. all that craziness from where I live. <laughs> <laughs> <Back there>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! You yeah, know, really I was neat. going through some of my old things that I had, and I found a picture I did in fifth grade. Do you have anything from back when you were a child that you could share? Uh, yeah, my. Uh, I have the books that I made in kindergarten, and I have some. I have paintings that I made throughout, um, you know, my my life oh, at my wow. parents' house. Well, you know, you can share them. We put a post together, and okay. to go with this, so you'll have to take a look at what we've done with others. But you can just show off all your talents when you were just five. Right. <laughs> we'll, yeah, and we'll put some of Momo's stuff up too. Yeah, why not? That's kind of fun, and put a link so people can see his work. That's really yep. wonderful. So what made you want to become a teacher? 
the short answer is that I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, the, <laughs> the, the slightly longer answer is that as an art student, um, growing up in an upper middle class upbringing, there wasn't a lot of models of artists or makers. And so I kind of felt that I had, you know, two options. I could be a, a painter, an artist, which I had no idea how to go about doing that. Um, so that didn't even see, seem plausible to me. Or I could be a teacher. And although I love the, and I love the arts, um, but I, you know, there was a little bit of a, um, a pigeonhole there just because I didn't have, uh, many models, uh, other than, you know, the artists that I knew were art teachers. So, um, I went into education for that. I originally went into education thinking that I was going to bring the arts into the classroom. And I studied at Bank Street College of Education for a year to be a, uh, a regular ed teacher, an elementary school teacher. And I quickly realized that, uh, I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do in the arts as a classroom teacher. There just wasn't enough time. It wasn't structured that way. And I really didn't want to do all the stuff that the classroom teachers um, have to do. And so I went, that's when I went, decided to go back to the art room. Um, I just missed the environment. And I, I, uh, I never, regret, <laughs> never regret that decision. It's really cool because um, there aren't that many art teachers you know, in, especially in elementary school now. There, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you still have, you know, that maybe when we talk about this, we'll keep pushing this because it's so important. Yeah, New Jersey um, is is pretty good state. There, there really hasn't been a movement to try and eliminate um, art educators. Um, so, I, you know, mm-hmm. it hasn't been that big of an issue. I know it's an issue nationally, but in New Jersey, thankfully, it hasn't been a hasn't been much of an issue. So have you always been at this school or did you start somewhere else? Or um, I, I met my wife uh, teaching middle school a couple towns over and I left there. I had the opportunity to work part time and I tried to uh, write uh, a children's book, uh, <laughs> which was a disaster. It was a, <laughs> a horrible year, 20 years, uh, roughly, you know, uh, 17 years ago. And then I, uh, I had, uh, I was in another school district and I wound up in Jackson where I am now. Um, and they've been great. Uh, it's, they've really been supportive and they've kind of let me explore some paths that I feel fortunate to have gone down. Um, it's where my, you know, my book, The Art of Comprehension, really kind of came into fruition. Um, and so I'm, I'm really happy with where I landed and the, uh, the administrators that I've had the opportunity to work with. Oh, that's wonderful. Not to mention Rich Chiz. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Is he the principal there? No, he's not. We all, we taught together for a few years, uh-huh. um, and we just we just explored all kinds of stuff together, and it was really it was really a fun relationship that we just kind of tried all kinds of things with the kids and uh, pushed boundaries a little bit, and uh, just to see what could happen. And um, he wound up going into administration, so our our uh, professional lives kind of separated. Um, and then a few years ago, we started uh, four o'clock faculty just to work together and explore. I love so, that because uh... yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I was trying to figure out how you got together, and that that really makes sense. So, how, is that how you started that with Rich? Yeah, we uh, R- Rich. Um, I'm not much of a tech person. <laughs> I don't. I only use technology when I have to, or when it, uh, you know, when I need it for something. And Rich is much more of an explorer, and uh, he had this idea of starting a blog. So we talked about it, and. Um, you know, we just started it and, uh, you know, we've just, it's just, we said from the beginning, we'll do it as long as we enjoy it. You know, I think this is our fourth year doing oh, really? it. Um, and we still love it. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Third or fourth. I think it's our fourth That's year. Amazing. Um, 
Uh, yeah, and we just keep putting posts out. He puts way more posts out than I do. He's a machine. Um, <laughs> but we both really just enjoy it. And I think uh, for both of us, it's um, helped us to really find our voices. And I think it's led to our books. And it's just been a really fun thing for us to explore all kinds of ideas about education and, and um, stuff that we used to talk about and try out when we um, you know, work together in the same building. Wow, because I see... I don't even know how you guys do it. It's so often, and you, I know Rich. He doesn't sleep. He told yeah. me he never sleeps. No, so, I, I know. <laughs> I hope. I, I need my sleep. <laughs> me too. I don't know how he does it, <laughs> but still, you get up. It's those great tips and ideas that people can walk away with. And you put some up yeah. that I shared because they they okay. were brilliant. By the way, thank I'm you. I'm going to try to find them so we can maybe share a few because they were. It's what teachers need. They don't understand some things and it comes from a teacher and an administrator's point of view now. And and, right, and you're yeah. also sharing what teachers are telling you, which is great. Absolutely. Yep. All, all areas of education, whatever kind of catches our attention and, um, you know, it could be a, a, a conversation or just something that we see and we just try and put it down and a lot, largely for our own, just to help us process what's happening um, and how we kind of navigate our days and our careers and um, everything that we see that's going on in schools because it's, um, it, you know, it's constant and we try and hold on to some of our thoughts so that we can uh, kind of build a better foundation of, of where we want to, where we want to uh, go. Well, what I like, I'm on Twitter. That's how I met you. Mm-hmm. And Rich, yep. <laughs> and what's really nice, you're testing the waters because you're putting it out on social media and you're seeing what people think. Yeah. Have you looked at how many followers you guys have now it's i have uh, yeah rich has a ton through his book four o'clock faculty uh-huh. um i have a few and you have, to, you have more I, than I, a few yeah I, yeah well <laughs> yeah, not as many as rich but i have a few um but yeah we just we've we really are we um i think if if for rich and i we firmly believe that uh our our job as educators is to try and help uh, kids to find their voice. And I think we, we have worked very hard to model that, um, and to explore that and to kind of see what happens when you do. Um, and I think that is one of the, you know, the, the driving forces behind our work is, um, we just think everyone should, uh, you know, share their voice. Um, I think, you know, uh, in my book a little bit, I talk about, um, you know, kids, all kids have gifts to give. I think that's true of adults too. And it sometimes just takes longer for people to find their voices. And I think, you know, that's how P- uh, Peter Reynolds and I got connected a little bit, just this belief in trying to inspire people to share their voices um, and give them a means to do that. So that's kind of, I think, what four o'clock faculty represents a little bit uh, to us now. I, w- I mean, I love Peter, but we're going to talk about him yeah. now. <laughs> <Sarah and> I, <laughs> okay. Because, I mean, I could go on and on about. What a wonderful, yeah. I mean, the whole idea of art and writing, it's like you have that passion in you now because you've experimented with this with your own kids. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I mean, with the kids in the school, with, uh, in the school, are you bringing in writing? Are you uh, yeah. just doing this with teachers too? Yeah, I work with classrooms. Um, I work with different school districts. I work with um, kids whenever I can. The two teachers that I developed the program with, uh, Donna Donner and Justin Dulcy, aren't in the building anymore. Um, so I kind of lost um, some partnership there. But yeah, anytime that I can go into classrooms and work with kids on 
on writing. Anytime I can get more art into classrooms or in front of kids, I think is a good thing. Anytime I can get kids talking about art, whether it's books or whether it's, you know, fine arts, which I see as very similar things, you know, I want kids talking about arts, uh, regardless of the form that they, that they oh, take. That's, it's such a good connection because, uh, when they see a picture or when they draw a picture, it's that when they say show, not tell, there you have that. Yeah. And so is that what you, how you do yeah. that or? Uh, a little bit. Um, so part of it is, yeah, it, it's in, in, you know, it, uh, right off the bat artist show, visual artist show. Um, I use a lot of Peter Reynolds work because it's so clearly how emotions are shown. And I think um, for me, the work that I do focuses around moods um, as humans. That's how we connect. So artwork is largely about moods. And that's, you know, um, if I say the word cat, people are going to react to that word emotionally. Some people are going to act positively. Some people are going to act negatively. Some people might be indifferent. Um, They might remember little moments they've had throughout their lives. But we respond to even just the word cat uh, from an uh, from emotional place, from a mood. And I think that's what all arts are. When I was researching for my book, Way before I even probably started writing it, um, I came across a quote by Louise Rosenblatt that was from 1938, which she talked about how uh, books help us to comprehend our own lives. And I think that's what all the arts do, right? So I just see books as another form of artwork, plays, movies, painting, sculptures. And so I think that's what the, that's what the function of the arts are. The, the, the arts fundamentally just help us to explore and comprehend our own lives, and whether that's engaging with art by looking at it or watching it uh, or reading or whether it's through the creating um, art, whether we're writing or drawing or painting. So I think that's one of the the real values of art is just helping us to um, explore our human experience and understand it. Well, I, you know, you're talking and it's just making, I'm picturing things. And, and in your book, you have all these tools on with, for moods. Do you want to, exp- yeah. we're going to go into your book now because it's, Okay. okay. And then yeah, I might even, right yeah. then we can bring up even Peter, but that, that, sure. there was, where is that one? Oh gosh, I've been, you had some on the moods. Um, you want to explain what that chart is and how you use it? There's the art of comprehension, um, which is basically an approach to discussing artworks uh, through comprehension skills to help kids not only to to, to practice meaning making, but also um, we then kind of switch it around to help them to, to craft writing, or it could be used to craft artworks. Um, has three tools. One is the axis lenses. Uh, so the axis lenses are basically how um, we, we teach kids to get to the mood. Um, as humans, there's only so many ways that we communicate moods, our facial expressions, body language, colors, um, whether people are standing by themselves or whether they're close to things. And so when you explore art, whether it's a fine art uh, piece or a book or a movie or a play, um, you're going to notice that these lenses show up again and again as to how the artist crafted the mood and how they show the mood. And so it's a very simple tool that just helps kids to notice the key details, the text evidence, if you will, uh, to support their thinking. Um, and if we can track in books, if we can track how characters, what their mood is and how their mood changes and what's causing the mood, um, we're at the heart of the story. Well, I, I was looking at the access lenses. How, how did you get... Okay, let's just say, let's just bring in <laughs> Peter Reynolds because I love that guy so much. Okay. And I was looking at this access lenses. I'm just going to, I'm going to put a picture of it up in, you know, on the... <sighs> On your post, yeah. 
I mean, the thing is, you know, I love the idea of it, just having the pictures here that kids can even relate mm-hmm. to. Yeah, Peter did a uh, just a beautiful job illustrating oh those. Oh my god, he super has, grateful. I don't know if those are wolves or dogs. Uh, he, yeah, he called them little wolves. <laughs> <laughs> so great, and and then you have this yeah. mood change in uh, or change in mood, the mood structures, and the structures, and yep. the, what I, I, you know, I've never really thought about that in that approach because I was an art, I was in art education. That was my you know, what I was started as and then um, and living in a house with artists, never even thought how a picture or something I even drew could infect my moods or other people's. Yeah, I mean, it's all moods. I mean, um, right. There's all these quotes. Uh, I think Da Vinci said it and I think people said it before him that paintings are poetry. Oh, yeah. Right. They're little yeah. poems. Um, I, I quote it in my book, I think. Um, but right. Poems capture little moments and what we respond to, whether it's a, you know, a sunset or a landscape or, a, a, you know, a, a snowy day or a, a interior, um, what we're re- really responding to, why they catch our eye basically is because there's a mood that it uh, portrays, or there's a, there's a feeling as the viewer that it invokes in us. And so all artwork, and that's true of books, um, movies, plays, a- anything, moves a very simple way to enter into any of this art. Um, and I really believe, as I said earlier, you know, that's how we connect as humans. You can tell as soon as someone walks into the room how they're feeling. And if you think about the most important moments of your life, the most significant, good or bad, um, they're swathed in moods. And when you go through an emotional experience with somebody, it, that it's, it's a connection that lasts forever. Um, and so that's, that's what makes it such a great way of entering into art. And for the most part, even very young children understand moods and can kind of relate to the art, even if it's, you know, for adults, not crafted for children. Well, you know, I mean, I've, I've worked with preschools and kindergarten, and art is a very big mm-hmm. part in, in that time. And then somehow it, it's lost in many schools. You know, it's not, they don't see it as an integral part. And the idea of making visual text, the idea of, I mean, this whole idea of show, not tell, the idea of being able to address it and even say, I feel this way around that. Right. I don't even know right. if they do yeah. that. Uh, probably yeah. not. Um, it's. A, I mean, it's a relative, I mean, what the thing, so when I started teaching 20 years ago and I wanted to bring arts into the academic arena, because I, I knew there was a value there, um, like I lived it. I couldn't necessarily articulate it at that time. The biggest roadblock I hit was my first year of teaching middle school when I went and tried to speak to kids and my colleagues and even parents about art. The tools that I had to discuss art in a meaningful way with people who don't necessarily have a a rich background in arts or training in arts um, were really left me not being able to have a very meaningful conversation. Um, And so this whole journey where this book comes from is really trying to answer the question, how do you talk to art with people meaningfully when they don't have an arts background? Um, And I feel like arts, arts education as a whole has not done a good job of doing that and providing a, a, a way for someone who doesn't have a rich knowledge uh, base or a rich background in arts um, a way into the art world. I feel like it's um, really closed off to a lot of people. You know, I'm going back to what you said about being a, in education and realizing just being 
you know, a teacher, an elementary teacher, but not an art educator, you it you realize that wasn't a a, a road for you. But now you created an I a way for the general ed, or even it could be a, a you know middle or high school teacher to introduce these things. Right. This is a- the, the the art of comprehension basically answers two questions that I had been searching for for over well over a decade, probably f- close to fifteen years. Was how do you talk to art um, with people who don't know anything about art, and and how can the arts serve um, not serve, but how can the arts be implemented uh, or meshed with academic work in a meaningful, authentic way? And it it's it was really those two questions that I was really exploring, and the art of comprehension wound up answering both of those for me, which was super exciting uh, to kind of figure out. I'm I'm just thinking because the first thing I hear out of some teachers, well, I'm not very good at art. I right. don't yeah. know how to do. Uh, see, they they don't get it. They don't have to be good at art. They can, but if they understand this idea of the access lenses or the idea of. Um, identifying the moods that they're in when they're looking at art or, I mean, there, a lot of them are bringing in makerspaces now too. So. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's two things. I think um, art education has made people feel that art's intimidating because generally the way the conversations go is you have to, it falls into a context, which is really difficult to know unless you've studied it. You know, my friend Justin, who I figured this out with, um, you know, he would go to a museum sometimes and people would say, oh, how do you feel when you stand in front of this? And he would just say, stupid. I don't know what I'm supposed to respond to. I I have no idea what I'm looking at. Um, And he loved the art of comprehension because it gave him a way into any artwork. And so that was a very rich experience for me to take somebody like that. And we worked together and figured this thing out together. The other thing that just to touch upon what you said, is we have this tendency to always focus on the good and we don't focus on the interesting. And I think we, you know, especially in the school climate today where we have so many rubrics and um, we're constantly looking at testing and testing data, we want to get kids to the good. And great work doesn't come out of good work. Great work comes out of interesting work. Um, the Wright brothers, for example, made horrible airplanes. If we were judging their work in the beginning as whether it was good or not, it was horrible. The airplanes didn't fly, right? So by definition, they were horrible airplanes. Um, but they were interested in what they were doing. And right, obviously, they changed the world because of that interest, not because of what they were doing was good. And I think in the arts, in any creative endeavor, we have to withhold our judgment. And I think I try and do this as a teacher when I'm working with students. My job isn't to judge whether it's good or bad. My job is to try and help the kid become interested in the work that they're doing and see what's interesting about it. And if it's something that kind of makes their heart skip or catches their eye or whatever it is, I want to have the conversation about what's interesting. I don't want to um, judge too quickly whether it's good or not, because most things that really change the world, in the beginning, they weren't very good, but people found them interesting. Um, and they were interested in it enough to keep at it and keep working with it. And eventually, they became great. So. Well, Trevor, you're trying to completely transform the way we teach which I really like. <laughs> I hope <laughs> no, so. No, I mean, we put so much time into, you know, being the 
all-knowing expert and judging and evaluating and right. and grading yeah. and putting a mark on it saying this is good this is not and what you're trying to say is we got to give them a chance and let them fail a few times and try some new things and find what's interesting and explore and go deeper yeah and one of the i mean the the nature of really novel ideas is that they're different and so if we're judging good we're basing it on what's known and if we're only doing stuff that's known, we're never going to make any steps forward. Um, and I look—I mentioned my friend Momo, the, the artist. What he did as a kid is, if he was interested in something, he w- he had this this ability to just run with it and explore it. He paid attention to what he paid attention to. Um, there's a little Austin Kleon um, a recent um, blog post uh, that he talked about paying attention to what you pay attention to as the root of all art. And um, Momo did this beautifully, and he still does it as a grown-up, that when he was interested in something, he just went all out and explored it as far as he could and pushed the boundaries just to see what would happen. Um, and he never worried about whether it was good or not. He just worried about whether it was interesting. Well, wouldn't that be great to have a school that does that? <laughs> oh, and it's all, uh, it doesn't yeah. matter what age you are. You're all working yeah. together on something that you're interested in. It's almost like, it's, it's almost like looking at, I, I think of Disneyland because I could, <laughs> Disney World. It's like an Imagineering, the idea that you can explore something that is not known yet. You don't know. Right. And I mean, let's just say anything that's known right now, you could Google it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So you yeah. you need to know what's real and what's not. So you need to be able to judge it that way and and uh, do your research. But the idea of kids nowadays, they're so amazing. We just need to give them some opportunities, right? Oh, absolutely. They have so many. There's so much room for just exploration and discovery that I I wish that every kid had an opportunity to just feel like they were explorers and discoverers, um, which I think is in our DNA as humans. That's right. Boy, I, I'm open to a starting a school. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I want our kids. I want to be in a school like that. But um, what I love, Trevor, is you said what I wanted to hear was the that idea of your book comes out because it, it's you saw it in the beginning when you saw what teaching was, and we know now that it has to change. We 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 can't. Yeah keep going down this road where you're going to teach the same thing you've done for 20 years or whatever, because our kids are not going to give, have those opportunities to become the best they can be. Yeah. And I, I think um, the world is just changing so quickly and so fast that kids have to learn um, how to right, explore the, their options, even the technology options that have popped up in the last five years to, to create content and share ideas and connect with other people. Um, our kids have to feel comfortable just stepping out into the unknown and seeing what happens. Uh, and if they, tr- if they go out there enough and try enough things, there's a good chance that that's where they're going to stumble upon their great work. Um, that hopefully is, is, uh, is life-changing or world-changing because, you know, we're heading in a direction where I think we're going to have to make some big changes at some point uh, in order to, to keep going. Well, I'm just going to have to say, you just said it all in a nutshell right there. (laughs) That was just beautiful. I'm looking, I'm trying to write down quotes. You had so many. It was just, this was a wonderful conversation. And uh, I thank you so much. Like I said, I- Oh my gosh, thank you. Wasn't that fun? I mean- (laughs) 
Uh, it's great. <laughs> I I could talk all day. I know about this stuff. I love it. I, so. And I and I can't wait to share your journey, but I also can't wait to share some of the pictures because I just uh, and your book because I really hope teachers not. I don't want them thinking that this is only for language arts teachers or this is only for art teachers. This is for everyone. I want administrators and parents. I want them to read it. I want. I really yeah. think it's a book that is. It's so rich, and I'm really yeah, proud you. of you. I, I and I'm thank so you. glad that you gave me this time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me share uh, my voice a little bit. I appreciate oh, Trevor, it. You're- you're amazing, right? Don't worry, you're going to be up in light somewhere. So, thank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. thank you, thank you so much. All right, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Trevor Bryan. Look for a complimentary blog post about Trevor, where we pull together resources, links, and even some things from his book. So please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And, you know, we'd love a review. You can also subscribe to my website at barbarabray.net to receive announcements and updates so you don't miss any of the conversations. <laughs>